As you've already seen, obviously today is, is the first Sunday of Advent as we begin our journey towards Christmas. And as you, you heard uh, the Coopers read uh, in that reading this morning, the word Advent, it actually means, means coming or the expected arrival of something. And over the next four weeks, we are going to be reflecting on the idea of arrival, the arrival of Christ as a child in Bethlehem, but, but also on his arrival again at his second coming in glory. And so it's a, it's a dual focus. Uh, it's a promise that just keeps on giving. And you know, that's the thing about promises, isn't it? If you, if you hear them and, and you believe them, they create an expectation about the future, and they put a little more spring in our step, don't they? As, as we set off down the road into a new year, uh, which is really where we find ourselves today, because even though the secular calendar isn't ready quite yet to roll over into 2021, uh, as a church, as a universal body of Christ, liturgically, today is the first Lord's Day of a whole new church year. Uh, with this first Sunday in the season of Advent, as we begin anew to proclaim the promises of God's Word and the gifts of His saving grace. And not only that, that's not the only thing new today, something else new as well, because providentially our psalm today, Psalm 120, begins this brilliant little collection of psalms called the Psalms of Ascent. And remember, we finished the Hallel Psalms with Psalm 119 from last week. Uh, and today we begin a whole new chapter with these Psalms of Ascent. And, and just like the Hallel Psalms were used traditionally as part of holiday worship, for the people of God as they celebrated in the temple, these psalms of ascent were the, the hymns, the, the holiday tunes that they sang with their families and friends as they traveled home to celebrate together. The, the songs that kind of uh, would have gotten them in the mood for the season, you know, the, those familiar uh, tunes that would have been uh, kind of invaded your favorite XM radio station on your camel if they would have had such a thing, you know. Uh, in the weeks leading up to the to the festivities as they made their yearly pilgrimages over uh, the river and, and through the woods in little family groups uh, or in big caravans up to the temple in Jerusalem. And for us now, 21 centuries later, although the song of these sounds is going to be very different from the holiday music we're used to, this next set of psalms teach us how to be holiday pilgrims too, holding on to the promises that God has for his people People just like those men and women from long ago as we make our way onward and upward to the new Jerusalem, to, to the heavenly city uh, that that first one, that that earthly Jerusalem could only ever be a dim shadow of. And that's, that's kind of where Psalm 120 has us start out today, as you're going to see, in a kind of pre-holiday shadow with a kind of a, a melancholy note, maybe a discordant tone you could call it. Uh, kind of like some of our, our current holiday music does. You know those ones that, those songs that kind of bring a tear to your eye, but we love them anyway, like I'll Be Home for Christmas, uh, or, or Johnny Cash's Ringing the Bells for Jims. Anybody know that one? You know that one? Yeah. Uh, or, or that Christmas Shoes song. That, you know that song about the little boy that's buying the shoes for his mother and the, and the man steps up and pays for them? Yeah. You know, songs where the, uh, the narrator prays for brighter days ahead even as he's faced with the realities of this world, uh, a world filled with homesickness uh, and, and loss and, and material lack. But at the same time, uh, he just keeps on singing with a stubborn confidence 
in a better world to come. Well, guys, that's Psalm 120. And so I invite you to join me there. And if you've been following along with this, remember we're, we're doing this long expository look through the book of Psalms. Up to Psalm 120 today in our series. And I tell you, God keeps amazing me with how these Psalms ref, kind of reflect everything that we're looking at. And this is Psalm 120. It's actually labeled a song for pilgrims uh, ascending to Jerusalem. And the psalmist writes, I took my troubles to the Lord. I cried out to him, and he answered my prayer. Rescue me, O Lord, from liars and from all deceitful people. O deceptive tongue, what will God do to you? How will he increase your punishment? You'll be pierced with sharp arrows and burning with coals. How I suffer in far-off Meshech. It pains me to live in distant Kedar. I'm tired of living among people who hate peace. I search for peace, but when I speak of peace, they want war. Brothers and sisters, that's the word of the Lord to us today. Let's pray together. God, our Father, we thank you so much for this opening season of Advent. We thank you for this Psalm 120, that even though it sounds maybe a little Uh, of an odd place to start out on our Christmas journey. It has so much to teach us. And so uh, we ask you, Father, to uh, lend us your Holy Spirit, uh, as you always do, to teach us, to open hearts, to transform minds, uh, and to bring us, Father, that message that only you can bring. And we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, And so Psalm 120, as I said, is the first of these songs of ascent that I mentioned in the opening. And, and, And I don't mean... Uh, ascent like you're you're agreeing to something or or like you're approving of something you you know you check off the box uh, this is ascent as in uh, the act of of ascending of of climbing of of rising and and they have that that name and and those of you like I know Ray you've been to Jerusalem and and those of you folks that have been to the Holy Land will recall this because the city of Jerusalem and John you've been there sits on a raised plateau about 2,800 feet above sea level. And so no matter what direction you approach it from, you've got to go up. You're, when you approach the holy city, you're always going up to Jerusalem. Uh, and, and so they're called Psalms of Ascent, first of all, because when the people sang them, they were literally going up to Jerusalem. But they're also called Psalms of Ascent because the Psalms themselves, as you're going to see in this series, have, have an upward motion. Right? We started out at, at bottom level. As they begin with a believer crying out to God in trouble, far away from his beloved city, uh, just like you know we read in there in Psalm 120, but you're going to see over the next several weeks, they end with believers offering praise to God in his temple courts. And I will admit, as I said, uh, today's psalm does seem to be a little bit of a, a strange place to start out a holiday journey, because it was a real downer, wasn't it? I mean, it's not exactly a tune you want to put on and play if you're already prone to depression around the holidays. Um, but on the other hand, maybe it is. Because it's a reminder that we aren't ever alone in our own individual unhappinesses. Right? So, uh, Psalm 120 is no sugar-coated, till-it-makes-you-sick kind of tune. It's not, a, it's not a happy, clappy chorus that tries to paint a fake smile of denial on the difficulties of life. Uh, And, you know, that's more important than ever, I think, in these weeks now between Thanksgiving and and New Year's when it comes to our spiritual lives because so often people feel really blue this time of year. And when times get tough and and people feel blue, it's weird, but 
They don't go to church. They, they, they don't go out to public worship. They don't go out to see uh, their friends. They don't go out for fellowship. As inexplicable as that may seem, but it's because this last 150 years or so of the American version of the gospel, uh, a gospel that our pilgrim ancestors would soundly reject if they even recognized it at all, uh, have somehow given folks the idea that you have to feel positive about life to go out to worship. That, that, that you got to be healthy and, and wealthy and walking around on the sunny side of the street to be seen in a public service of worship because otherwise folks might think that you lack the proper amount of faith to attain those things. Or that maybe you're, you're living in some kind of, of sin that's caused it. Or, or even more insidious than that, they've bought into the false assumption that you somehow give God a bad name or hurt your Christian witness if everything isn't hunky-dory all the time in your world. Uh, and, and today's psalm uh, really roundly rejects all of those things and sets the record straight, reminding us that even if you are going through a rough time this morning, this is the right place to be. And this is the right song for you. And for you other folks, hey, if, you know, if, if all is right in your world today, God bless you. That's, that is awesome. That's great. But guess what? You might need this message by next week. So, so listen in. Because no matter who you are, I can almost guarantee you are either headed for a heartache, you're walking through one right now, uh, or you're just coming out of one. Right? That's it. But that along with our psalmist today, I hope regardless of where you are and where you find yourself right now, that we can all pray together with Psalm 120, verse 1, that says, I took my troubles to the Lord. I took my troubles to the Lord. I cried out to him, and what? He answered me. And that's a great place to start out our trip towards Christmas, just like those early Israelites kicked off their travels, those, those people of God on their way to celebrate the Lord's blessing, or to have their consciences cleansed, or to have their sins of the past year atoned for, and so they were, they were basically singing the uh, 550 B.C. version of nobody knows the troubles I've seen, right? And, and longing for God to make things right because right at that moment they weren't. Things weren't right. And that's why he writes, how I suffer in far-off Meshech. It pains me to live in distant Kedar. See, the psalmist, he wasn't among friends. He, he was dwelling among pagans. The whole nation was, really, with godly believers living scattered around between Meshech, which is in Asia Minor, well to the northeast of Israel by the Black Sea, and Kedar, located far to the uh, southeast of Israel, deep in the Arabian Desert. So in other words, he's writing to people living surrounded by the people of those places who don't care about God. They don't care about God's ways and who, quite frankly, thought the psalmist was just a little bit weird, a little peculiar, for practicing his faith and caring about making an effort to go out to church. And it's kind of, uh, it's almost like the majority of us right now in this nation spread out around, down from Montana, down through the middle of the country, down here to Florida, and sandwiched in between those East Coast elites and those crazy folks out in California. We're, we're surrounded by those important places and those centers of power filled with people who look down their noses at us. I think he told me I was going to get in trouble for that graphic. <laughs> right, but on, let's be honest. People who look down their noses on holiday gatherings and church services and vital Christian fellowship, with, with exceptions, God always keeps a remnant even in those blue states. But 
It's no secret that many of those locales and increasingly the world at large leave fewer and fewer places for the unhindered worship of God and the open practice of the historic Christian faith. That's not a secret, guys. Uh, and so like those first people of God who sang Psalm 120 as they traveled up to Jerusalem to practice their holiday traditions, today as modern believers, we're going to feel a little out of place sometimes when we do. Uh, and, and Christians should feel uncomfortable. We should feel uncomfortable living in this world, maybe really uncomfortable. Uh, that's why Jesus said to his followers in John 15, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of this world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. That's why the psalmist prayed today, rescue me, Lord, from liars and from all deceitful people. Right? Because there's lies out there. In his commentary on that verse, R.H. Newton writes, uh, the first sin ever committed in our world was a lie. It was in the Garden of Eden. Satan was tempting Eve to break God's commandments. He did it by telling her a lie and getting her to believe it. And his tactics have not changed. All he has to do he says, especially this time of year, is keep feeding us the lies that sidetrack us from looking up. The lies that sidetrack us from God's promises to be our help from above. The falsehoods that endeavor to keep our focuses fixed on the valley of our sorrows, our heartaches, our disappointments, our trials and tribulations, so that we'll get discouraged instead of deepened in our faith. The faith that keeps our Christmas celebrations from descending really into shallow, self-centered, all-show-and-no-substance displays that can never succeed in really satisfying the great, heartfelt, emotional needs that we're all walking around with. Which is why I think it's really fitting to look at a sad song like Psalm 120 on this first Sunday of Advent, especially this year, because in, in many ways it's, it's really more real, it's, it's more genuine than feigned happiness, right? You know, and if, if we were to, to take the time to go around the room today and have just every person share uh, just one, what, just one thing that they're struggling with this morning, just one pain that they're experiencing, one disappointment that they're dealing with, one heartache they've experienced, we'd be here not until uh, this Christmas, we'd be here till next Christmas, Amen. right? But instead, as a group culturally, we kind of cover up those things and we put a brave face on them and act like we've got everything together. And that's because, as I said in the beginning, we've bought into the lie that we always have to act like everything's okay. <laughs> right? And that we never need help. But sadly, that's the exact opposite of what we need to do to live in a real Christian community with one another in front of a watching world. Because, guys, the biggest mistake that we could make is to turn this church into a theater for all of us to put on our fake Christian masks and pretend like we're all perfect. And, and don't get me wrong, like nobody wants to be around that person who can't wait to tell you their latest tragedy, right? <laughs> their, their daily tale of woe. I'm not talking about that. But there's got to be a balance. Amen. Otherwise, we paint the Christian experience like it has no place for hurting people in need of grace and help and love. And not in a way that condones the sins of the world, but that honestly admits, hey, we've all been out there. And to show folks why it's better to be in here with us. Where we can come together and help each other grow in the faith and grow closer to God. 
But we need to admit that we need that same Spirit's help just as much as those folks outside of our fellowship do. Uh, we need help committing ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and to hold on to His promises this Advent uh, and to use this opportunity to really refresh our perspective on God and the fact that He's got a grand plan for history that's so much larger than me and mine or you and yours and gives us the courage to face tomorrow and tells us how to live in this world. And guys, that's really the heart of Psalm 120. In its full-faced look at life in difficult times and trying circumstances, uh, a look that doesn't surround that hard advice with a lot of preamble or, or pretty-sounding words, but gets right to where the rubber meets the road uh, and, and confronts us with the disturbing but liberating fact that the authentic new life experienced by the redeemed people of God is not primarily in the sort of blissful every day is a blessing experience, but in the ragged edges and in the rough patches that we all have to make our way through. And the fact that they aren't all resolved like it is on TV in one 30-minute episode, right? And so, so we need to learn patience. And that's something I think the psalmist was honest enough to admit he was struggling with. And, and, and in doing so, he's giving us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the language to pray about our struggles. When he said, too long have I lived among those who hate peace. And if you remember, as we've kind of gone through this book of Psalms over the last couple of years, uh, several different psalmists have used that phrase, how long? Right? If you go, we go way, way back to 2018, Psalm 13.1. We read, how long, O Lord, Will you forget me forever? Uh, how long will you hide your face from me? And then kind of closer in time, we read Psalm 94, 3. Uh, how, uh, oh Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked exalt? But here, here's a little fact for you to hold on to. Psalm 120 is the only time in the Psalms that says too long. A lot of them say how long. It's the only, one and only time that says too long. The psalmist says it's been too long. He's tired of it all. Anybody ever feel like that? Feel like the stuff that has had you upset has been going on for far too long and you're never going to get any peace from it? Well, the promise of the Advent season in general and of today's psalm in particular reminds us of our place among generations of saints longing for the promise of Messiah to be fulfilled. We just don't always like that we have to wait. That's why Dee's song couldn't have been more perfect for today. And, you know, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking, you know, not very long ago, it was kind of a luxury to get things in two to three day shipping, right? Like, we thought that was really cool. But now, sometimes you can have stuff like overnight or depending on where you live, same day. So anymore, as modern people, we no longer have a category for longing and for pining and for waiting. But Advent comes along and reminds us and gives us an opportunity to imagine waiting on a long-awaited Messiah to come who was promised thousands of years before he ever arrived in Bethlehem. Uh, and, and it kind of brings us a more deliberateness in the midst of an otherwise frantic season filled with, you know, this time of year, students preparing for finals and parents shopping for, for gifts and families busy uh, traveling to see relatives if, if you live in a region where that's still possible. But Advent provides an opportunity to slow our pace and to pause and to reflect in a season that could otherwise drown out reflection and just be still. 
Could we just be still for a minute? Just be still and remember that even in the midst of this COVID crazy world, that we don't live like people who have no hope. In fact, we've got more hope today than the psalmist ever dreamed of because we have the whole hindsight of Scripture to remind us that Christ came exactly as was promised. He came as He was promised the first time, and because we know that, we can be all the more certain that He will keep His promise to come again. And that's how we, that's how we hold on to the duality uh, of Advent, and we keep it kind of in tension. That's how we focus on the celebration of the birth of Jesus the Christ in history and keep ourselves in the anticipation of his return. Think about it, guys. Prophetically, it's just over the horizon. And both of those things, uh, together creating that path that ultimately we might be reconciled to God. That's a process that one commentator said uh, right now in which we both now participate and the consummation of what we anticipate. Right? So we participate and we anticipate when everything wrong with the world around us and with all the garbage that we have within us uh, is one day going to be put to rights in Christ's coming judgment of sin as well as in the hope of eternal life that he's bringing for those that are, are in a fellowship with him uh, and bringing with him that perfect peace that today's psalm longs for in its closing lines because, you know, church, when everything is in place according to God's plan, Jesus will return. Not, not one moment early, and not a second late. Amen. And how close are we to that moment? Perhaps very close. Uh, certainly closer than we think. So what we have to do now is live every day as though today might be your last and one day you're going to be right. And, and so the only question we're left with is if, if Jesus were to come back today, would you be ready to meet him? Amen. Would you be really ready to meet him? And, and, and let me speak just for a minute to those of you who maybe aren't sure how to answer that question. You know, if I was, if I was with you and it was just the, the two of us, you know, talking alone across the table at your house over a cup of coffee, I told Vicky that one slide looks like the guy's holding brass knuckles. So this, isn't, this, is not, this is not like I wouldn't be strong-arming you, but... And she didn't change it either. But, but seriously, you know, like if we, were, if we were just alone, if it was just the two of us... Uh, and I said to you, are, are you ready to meet the Lord? Uh, if your answer back to me is, I hope so, or I think so, or I'm not sure, uh, that would tell me everything that I needed to know because what that means is you really are not sure. You're not sure at all. But remember what Jesus said would happen when he does make that return? One will be taken and one left. Uh, and which group are you going to be in? Are you going to be in that group preserved by God or are you going to be in the one taken out to judgment as we read about in Psalm 120 that, that psalm uh, that speaks of judgment pierced with God's sharp arrows and burning with glowing coals. If you don't know him, guys, you're not ready to meet him. And so Advent is a time to ask yourself, do you know him? Do you know that you're saved and do you even know how to know if you're saved? Because sadly, so much of what the church today, especially these last few decades, have done is reduce the gospel to little more than an emotional invitation and then the repetition of a prayer. But brothers and sisters, when Jesus preached, he never called people to come down front. He called them to follow him for life. Amen. He never told you and me to go out and get quick converts. He commanded us to make disciples. Amen. And he never wanted just people's words. 
He wanted their hearts, and he won't settle for anything less even today. Because too many people rush to the altar and take on Christ like fire insurance, and then they walk out the church doors and live like the devil and think they're saved. And I want you to know there's a difference between that and a life that's truly been redeemed. You know, the Bible says in 1 John 5, these things have I written to you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And so when he says these things, I've written you these, these things, what are those things he's talking about? He says, and this is the record that God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. It's about as plain as you can get. And you know what, just, just parenthetically, you, know, we, you maybe notice if you're from another church background, we don't do altar calls in this church. And there's a reason for that, because I think too many of them are, are fake emotional decisions, and people come down front because I've made D play the 300th verse of Just As I Am, and somebody's thinking, like, would somebody please just go down front so we could go to Golden Corral? <laughs> right? Okay. But you know, but you know what I, well, I'll tell you has happened? In the last six years, people come to me and say, Pastor, how can I get baptized? Pastor, how can I join the church? Pastor, how can I make a public profession of faith? And that's when it's real. Right? Because the gospel is preached here every Sunday. Amen. The opportunity to receive it is here every Sunday. And I can't change anyone's heart. Only the Holy Spirit can change someone's heart. Amen. And when that happens, those people want to know, how can I get more involved? Not just how I can come down one Sunday. And so we preach that because we know that eternal life comes by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. And so today I say to you in Jesus' name, cry out to him. Right, right now, right where you are. And then tell somebody that you did. So that this year you can sing those songs of Christmas, the happy ones and the sad ones, knowing that no matter what you're facing, you can finally say you found the promise of Advent in the person and the work of Jesus Christ that offers a living hope that nothing in this world can ever take away from you. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, Lord of this Advent season, we thank you uh, for sending your dear son Jesus uh, first in his incarnation uh, in Bethlehem and, and again, sending him again at the culmination of the age. And so, Father, I ask that you would help our hearts to uh, wait with anticipation. Uh, we want to wait like we read about in, in 1 John and not be ashamed of his appearing. And so, Father, uh, if you would just allow your Holy Spirit to go forward, if there's any uh, in this room or, or on the campus or within the sound of my voice that don't know you as their Lord and Savior, uh, who know they don't really know you, uh, that you would open their eyes, that you would quicken their minds, that you would uh, allow them, Father, to be received by you, even as they reach out to you now in the silence of their minds and hearts. Uh, and, and then just, to, just encourage them to tell someone else, because you've said uh, in your word, there's only one way to be saved, is to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Uh, and believe in him, and we have eternal life. Uh, and so we ask you, Lord, to grant that and allow that according to your will. Uh, and lead us, Father, through the rest of this season into Christmas, bringing you honor and glory through Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen.